um, but we're still going to keep it fairly simple. We want to start, we start off with, uh, shall we just uh, talk a little bit about self? We never talk about self. <laughs> we always talk away from self. <laughs> okay, let's talk a little bit about the concept. Concept of self. Do you want to just quickly explain to everybody what we're seeing yeah. happening, observing? So... Obviously, since the beginning of our discipleship process, we've been ministering strongly against self. It has caused some wounds and some healings and some ups and downs. Um, and while, while we were doing that, obviously, there was also a strong emphasis on our identity in Messiah. So trying to understand ourselves eternally in the spirit, who we are and what we are and how that differs from who we are in the flesh. So there's been a strong emphasis on in the flesh versus in the spirit. <clears throat> but an interesting dynamic, well, it's created an interesting dynamic, because what we see now is obviously the more we grow in our understanding of who we are eternally, the more we understand that that is what's, what will remain once all things are done. And so... When we look at it from an eternity perspective, that's the only thing we understand. That's the only thing that's real is us in the spirit. And so when we do go into the flesh, we use that mechanism to not go into condemnation, although we understand that whatever happened wasn't right. But what that has created is that now the flesh man has become somewhat of an alter ego. So the self has become someone that's not me because eternally I am in the spirit. I'm the spirit man. So the self is someone that possesses my body every now and then, does some chaotic stuff, and then I come back and then I'm me, the real me, and I apologize for the fact that self had shown himself or herself... <laughs> Oh, sorry, guys, there was self. I've gone into self. Have I been in self? But it's fine because it's that person. I don't have to take the responsibility because we all know that flesh is going to mess, mess up. Luckily, I am spirit eternally, and that is the reality, so no harm done. The problem is exactly that, is because we now put all of the bad things on the alter ego, because it's better for us if we don't have to take as much of the responsibility for the things that I didn't do right. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to go, oh, it was the alter ego, not me. I don't have to take the responsibility because ultimately we all know that I am reborn in the spirit and so we can live along with that. But now if we don't take any of the responsibility, because the fact of the matter is, the self cannot be anyone else but us. The spirit man is him and us together and the great cloud of witnesses, that is true but the self is just me so unfortunately as much as we want to shift the responsibility to someone else that is the ultimate place of just me so there's no one else that can take responsibility for that unfortunately and as long as we don't own up as long as we are unable to just admit it for what it is if I mess up I mess up we hinder ourselves to understand the areas that we still need to grow in, and then we prohibit ourselves from actually being able to repent, 
Because you can't repent from something you're not doing wrong. He did it, not me. It was the self that yeah. did it. And so the self doesn't have to repent because self is going to die. I have repented because I'm in the spirit. It's not that. It's not that. We distance ourselves from... Uh, I went into self. Then we kind of distance ourselves from that. It was him. Mm. I apologize for him. <laughs> Please forgive him. Yeah, that's exactly. This has. I don't know how this developed, but we have watched it developing in all of our thinking. Somehow, becoming aware of self was. It was. It's a very important process. But then we started noticing how the repentance is not necessarily taking place because we go like. Will you just he said, rebuke yeah, he said, that guy? Know, none of us like him, <laughs> but it was it was him. And I went I, I went into him for a moment, but I'm back. So, okay, are we recognizing this? Okay, so just a little reality check for all of us. Let's quickly see, just to remind ourselves what self is. Self, we have to come back to the truth that self is individuality, individualistic existence, thinking or acting separate from the reality or the truth of the body. So we are saved into Messiah, the body that is also the Holy Spirit in totality. And we're part of that. Like a glass of water that was taken out of the ocean... And when we are baptized, we are poured back into the ocean. Then, by the Holy Spirit being poured into our bodies, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is then He takes the water that was poured back into the ocean, and then He fills the cup with that mixture. That's mostly Him. So if you take a glass of fresh water from, the, from a stream or the tap, and you pour it into the ocean, and you come back a month later, and you take a cup of water out of the ocean. How much fresh water do you have in the glass? It's been diluted to oblivion. Nothing. So that's what happens. By saving us, we are saved into Messiah. Eli is like the ocean multiplied by infinity. Right? And you are not even a cup of water. You are like um, I don't know. A water molecule. A water molecule. And then you are plunged into that infinite sea of infinity of goodness and Him. Then stirred around and mixed up, put in a blender, and then <laughs> scooped out. So it's mostly Him. But that is this molecule of self. So now the self is the sinful self, the old sinful nature. Because we don't, we don't refer to self when we have been worshipping, praying, and uh, we have been immersed in the Word, right? That's, not, that's still me, but that's the God me, the part of Him. The Holy Spirit is reading the Bible. The Holy Spirit, if I ever have the unctioning to pray, it was the Holy Spirit in me. The godly part as part, do you know who wants to pray? In you. The great cloud of witnesses that you have been mixed into, together with the Holy Spirit, the Yahushua and the Father together, that's what wants to pray. So all it's Moses and Abraham and Jacob in you that wants to pray. 
and worship. Excellent. Does it make sense? Got it? Got it? They're good bits, not they're bad bits. They're godly parts. They've been yeah. redeemed. So they, the, the godly cloud of witnesses, they want to worship God. That's why you have an unctioning to worship God. Okay? When it's done right. If that's true, then if we go into self, what did we do? There's self. Sinful self. The black <laughs> blemish. That's good. Blemish. The blemish. The shadow. That's light. And there's the blemish. The pimple. So, if we go into self, what happened? I had to separate. We're going to just make this as bad as we can. Do it. <laughs> to separate from God. Separate from the Holy Spirit. Separate from the body. Separate from heaven. Separate from the new Jerusalem. Separate from the word. Separate from all that is true and good and holy. Uh, so that I could be an individual again. Tear myself away from light itself. And so if we go into self, that's what we did. We left God. Turned our back on Him. Sounds good. Sounds good? No? Just to be me for a little bit. I need some me time. <laughs> And we're so happy when we have some me time separate from God and the body. We get happy. So his rest and wholeness and healing and wisdom and peace and joy. And we go like, I know you all that, but I need some me time. I'm going to go be happy over here on my own without you. And then we have to come back and apologize. It was him. And I went into self. Like I said, are we getting the picture? <laughs> okay, so the alter ego is the possibility of you being an individual without all that is godly. And then we act out of that. Um, and then, have we noticed how normally we act stupidly, foolishly, unloving, selfishly, so, you see, those are the things that we are. We are selfish, aren't we? Mostly. There's moments when we are impacted by the God creation, and then we are not so selfish. But generally, when I'm, when I'm going to self, I'm always selfish. Yeah, there's no <laughs> other scenario. The problem is we're not joyful and happy when we go into self, are we? When you're irritated with someone and you start going deeper into self, so you separate from forgiveness, long-suffering, patience, and you separate into um, offense. What's the other things when you Everything. keep stuff? So offense, unforgiveness, you can't even remember those things. But anyway, un unforgiveness, offense, resentment, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm. How happy are we when we dive into resentment? It's so satisfying. <laughs> Is that a trick question? <laughs> it's satisfying. 
I get happier and happier. The smile increased, the glitter in my eye just, man. No, that's the opposite that happens when we go into resentment, right? Okay. So, rejection. When we allow myself to separate from my identity in Messiah, and I start indulging resent, uh, rejection, I just keep feeling better and better. Rejection is such a confidence boost. I perform at my very best. The more I reject it, I feel. <laughs> any task, give me any challenge. All I have to do is embrace the rejection and I will excel. Okay, do we get the picture? Okay, so this is separating from our God identity. Just for the record, that was obviously sarcasm. Just... For your honesty's sake, thank you for explaining that. <laughs> Just need to make that clear. Okay, so don't, don't go implement this. No, rejection okay. is not going to help. Okay, guys, so it's still good for us to identify when we've gone into self. But let's identify it correctly again for what it really is. Okay. Can I, I just yes. want to read this from 2 Corinthians? Because he wrote the letter and then he... No gave them a hard time and then he wrote the second letter and it's he writes to him he says now i rejoice not that you were made sorry but that your sorrow led to repentance for you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation not to be regretted but the sorrow of the world produces death that's 2 corinthians chapter 7 verse 9 and 10 so again, there's that, that reality that if we don't take the responsibility, if we try to shift away the responsibility, because the fact of the matter is we do feel bad for what we did, but because we cannot take the responsibility, we cannot sorrow in a godly manner. We can only sorrow in a worldly manner, and that usually leads to things like condemnation and uh, becoming, um, what's the word, uh, despondent. All of that, which leads to death, because you cannot overcome something that isn't yours to overcome. Makes sense. <clears throat> so we encourage the knowledge of God. So we encourage, because it says, faith, virtue, knowledge. So we encourage the knowledge of God. When we go into self, for some reason we embrace knowing, but we embrace knowing separate from the rest of the fellowship, we embrace knowing separate from the actual real body of Messiah. We can even embrace, embrace knowing separate from the Holy Spirit. And we can do it while being in the Bible. So we want to be aware of this danger. Does it make sense? Am I making sense? Do I need to explain that more? Okay. So, the problem with going into self, in other words, individualizing myself, separating myself from the body, from the... For, for, for us on earth, the body right now is this fellowship. Okay? 
I'm always aware of the bigger body out there, but I mean, I don't have their telephone number, so not yet. Well, you have they're there. some of them. No, they're there. But right now, the fellowship is my mm. uh, connection with the body mm. and the kingdom. Where's your connection with the kingdom of God right now? The fellowship. Okay, so when last did you have a chat with Enoch? Recently? Come on, Solani. <laughs> Don't drop the ball now. <laughs> uh, JP, did you connect, uh, last week, did you connect with Abraham at all? You had a chat? No? So the Catholics have a shortcut. You light a candle and you just call on the name and... Yeah, but anyway. Okay, so, so our connection with the body is where? And the kingdom of heaven, where is that connection? Except for the Holy Spirit in us. In reality, in physical terms, the fellowship is the connection. Now when I say we can separate into self or into individual, me separated as an individual, important in itself, so I am, as a contained person, on my own, important. We can separate from the fellowship in knowledge. This is why we encourage everybody to flow in the fellowship with what the Holy Spirit is doing right now with the fellowship. Everybody understanding. It's important. It's just important little things that we want to encourage everybody in. So we stay out of danger of indulging the self more and more. Now we're going to look through the teaching. We're going to look at certain other dangers, but we wanted to start here. So there's an attitude that we cultivate of remaining in flow with the rest of the body. What the Spirit is doing in the body. Does it make sense? So that's what he means when he says we know, when we know something else. Right? Yeah. So, with any, for instance, with any pe- teaching that we do, say we, what, what did we teach on last week? Oh, oh, oh Second Peter. Okay, so, so we're teaching on Second Peter. Uh, individual knowing would look like this. When it could be that someone sitting in the fellowship while we're teaching and going like, but you missed this, you didn't say that, and you should have said that, and you should have actually also used this scripture, because that scripture would have been good. Do you understand that if we'd had to do an absolute, um, complete teaching on any subject, we would need days and days and days. So we choose to present the teaching in a compact package, now, I, I, I know about the danger that somebody could do that. Why didn't you use this scripture? Why didn't you say this, do that? It could happen. Okay. What's the other dangers? Um, while we are, as a fellowship, doing a study of Peter, one of us might decide this is way, it's not enough for me, it's not satisfying, it's not good enough. So I'm also. We're going to do a complete study of um, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Isaiah this weekend. But it might not even be the thing of, oh, it's not enough for me. It might just be the thought of, 
oh, the Holy Spirit is leading me somewhere else because he wants to work on me individually in this area. I think that's a dangerous one. So we can be led by the Holy Spirit to also be busy with other portions of Scripture and other studies, but only, listen very carefully, only when we are keeping up with what is happening in the body, when we're keeping up with what the Holy Spirit is teaching all of us so that we stay in step, Mm -hmm. what happens when we're not in step with the body? Slowly but surely we separate from our connection to the kingdom of heaven. So you're still going to have your relationship with God in intimacy, but in your thinking you become individualistic. That's the opposite of everything that we minister in this ministry. Renewing of the mind will bring us closer and closer to the same convergence point. Right? Repentance brings us closer and closer to the same point. Because all repentance has to lead to the same point. Truth, Messiah-likeness, kingdom of heaven. Are you with me? Okay. Does it, this makes logical sense. So we want to guard actively against that. Right? Okay. Um, I think that's laboring it enough. But the way we pick it up is when we start in our thinking separating self from the real me. And we don't realize that we actually we are that person. So the self moments are only minimized and overcome by actually, it's the evidence of how much we're abiding in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, and walking in the Spirit. That's the evidence. The, moment, the self moments are the evidence that we were not in the Spirit. It's making sense. Okay. So how do we repent from that? We repent from self. We don't repent from the action that self did and, and don't deal with self. We repent from self. We repent back into Him as our thinking, our doing, our wanting, our desires, our inspiration. We repent back into Him. It's making sense, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that we have... We've spoken about the danger of there's a few dangers we've spoken of. We can quickly recap on it. While we're listening to the teaching, we're listening to whatever said in fellowship, when I go, I don't understand that. What did we say? What's the thing that's going to happen next? When I go like, I don't understand what you're saying, I actually go into an attitude of blocking out the rest of what you're going to say. So you can literally miss 10 minutes. And the thing that's going to come after I don't understand is now I'm going to immediately start to drift into my own thoughts and think about what I'm going to eat later. It's going to happen. Okay? We can spiral very quickly. So the attitude that we come in with is that if you already were going to understand everything we said, why are we teaching it? Hmm? Yeah, what's come, why 
we come to learn because we, we probably don't know these things yet. We come to learn from someone because we don't yet understand it. Because otherwise, what the heck are we, are we doing? See, so there's a logical process here that if you think I don't understand, it's because it's fine. But the right attitude is I'm going to apply myself, seek the Holy Spirit for understanding. And we need to, uh, we need to remind each other of this. We will only understand by interacting by the Spirit, through the Spirit, with each other. That's how we're going to understand. That makes sense. Now, how many of you, before you came in here this morning, before you arrived, how many of you, you've got to be honest, nobody's allowed not to put up their hand. You're either going to say yes or no. Okay. No gray area. No gray area. How many of you, this morning before you came in, sought the Holy Spirit in prayer and said, Lord, today help me understand, give me wisdom. How many remember to do that? We can forget. It's good. Many of you do. If we don't do that, chances is we're going to start missing things, misunderstanding things, misinterpreting things, and pretty soon we're going to go like, I'm not understanding you, so you're probably wrong, and I've got my own idea, so I'm probably right. Where does this lead? Rebellion. So it's just warning us about some very common dangers, and it happens. So, remember the days when the pastor would be preaching, and you'd still be checking in your Bible for other scriptures and doing your own thing? Who did that? Yes, but that was because the pastor was wrong. <laughs> JP, you didn't do it because you were just thinking other things. <laughs> Please, I can't bear it. <laughs> I did it. I did it because I thought I knew better. Yeah, I don't want to go there because I might go into self. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's, there's definitely that. Many of us fell into that trap. We go, okay, so the moment that you go to church and you think, I'd rather just look at my own scriptures because he doesn't know what he's talking about. Why the heck are you in church? What are you doing there? Then you're obviously in the wrong church. That makes sense. So, okay, we want to guard against those things. And that, that was just a very big picture of something that we do. While someone else is talking, I'm going like, I heard what you said. I'm just quickly going to do my own study about what you just said. <laughs> okay, come on. It is. Some of us did that. Okay, so we're going to start with Second a very here. simple unpacking again. Okay. Okay. Show us what we're going to do. Okay, so we're in Second Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> we'll read... We're going to read it in a different order, because that makes it fun. <coughs> so we're going to go through the whole sequence, discipling, maturing sequence again, from verse 5 to verse 7. And then we'll unpack some of that a little bit, not all of it, but some of it. And then we'll look at what comes before and what comes after to put some context to it. So, let's read together from verse 5. <clears throat> but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, 
to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Do you want to take it? Should I take it? You take it. Okay. <clears throat> now, last week, we did a bit of an introduction to perseverance. We understand that it has been revealed to us by the Lord that this is a year of perseverance. So um, keep in mind that the year, the spiritual year, started back in October last year already. So it would have started a process with all of us. Um, but now, obviously, with the new season, we are now actively looking at it, trying to understand it so that we can implement it. Um, but if we look at this process that the Apostle Peter puts in place for us, uh, we understand that we, we, we did a teaching on this, that we are supposed to move through this process in an orderly manner. So we don't add knowledge to faith. We don't add love to knowledge. We do this in a sequence because there's a reason that we have to grow in this way. And we know that as we go through seasons where we intentionally and intensively are growing in one area or one level, so say we're growing in faith or we're walking out faith, implementing faith, establishing faith, this can take a year, two years, three years, however long. And uh, there are smaller cycles of us going through this, but obviously implementing the big thing can take a while. But then once it's implemented, once I know I can walk in faith, then going through this cycle should become quicker and quicker. So the further I progress, going through faith, virtue, and knowledge in my mind should only take a few seconds because it is already established in my life. Okay. And now we get to perseverance, and we're all adamant, excited, and encouraged to walk out perseverance and implement and establish perseverance in our lives. <clears throat> But before we do that, and this is where it links with our introductory speech, is it would be a good idea to go back one step and just look at what was supposed to come before. Because if what was supposed to come before has not been implemented properly or established, then there's no sense in now trying to apply ourselves to perseverance. So before perseverance can be properly implemented and established, and I'm not saying that you don't have access to perseverance at all before you did the previous steps, but to establish it in your life as a truth, as something that you can refer back to and walk out diligently and faithfully, um, self-control comes before. So we're going to take one step back and just glance back at self-control. Now we know last year there were a couple of tests that we all had to go through together and individually to grow and establish self-control. And uh, what we would like to just reiterate again today and shine a light on again today is that ultimately we all understand that our goal and our dream and our wish is to be completely rid of self, no self whatsoever. And we are pushing towards that, we are believing for that, we are equipping ourselves, we are repenting so that we can get to this ultimate goal. But we also understand that this is not, even though we give it our all and we diligently apply ourselves, this is unfortunately not a dream or a hope that is going to be accomplished within three days or a week or a month or even three years. This is going to take us a lifetime because this is ultimately what we are called to. So it's the flip side of the coin. So we are called to Messiah likeness, 
But in order to become fully Messiah-like, we have to completely die to self. See? So this isn't something that we're just going to do one day and then be rid of self and then have another 50 years that we live free from our alter ego. So, while we are in the process of getting there to this ultimate goal, we have to face the reality that there will have to be some kind of coexistence with ourselves. Spirit man, fleshly man. And this is why, especially in this process, self-control is commanded from us to implement and establish. So, if we just look at the word self-control, So for as long as we are not rid of self, we are commanded to learn to control self. So just because self hasn't died yet doesn't mean it's now an excuse to let it do its thing. We are commanded to be able to control it. And it's very important because it says self-control. And this is where we sometimes miss it. The Bible doesn't say that God is going to come and help you to control self. He will enlighten you. He will give you wisdom. He will give you understanding. He will give you courage and strength and all of that to enable you to be able to control self. But we are ultimately the ones who are going to have to control ourselves. Makes sense. So we get that God doesn't do that for us. He will encourage us, he will remind us, but he will not do it for us. So Elijah, are you really, really dedicated to learning to and being able to be completely awake throughout a whole service? Is that what you want? He's doing pretty well. You're doing better and better, but it doesn't come easy. You have to fight it, right? Okay. Why isn't God helping you stay awake? Have you asked? Have you prayed? No. A good idea. Ask him. But have you noticed how it's up to you? Self-control. When our thoughts drift, when we're busy with the word or in prayer, whose job is it to learn not to let it drift? Sounds so simple, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yet we actually have to like teach ourselves this is true. <laughs> it's 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 gonna be me. He's expecting this from me. Okay. Okay. Move on to the thing. Okay, so ha 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 ha. One of those nice seasons where we're going to do something visual on the board and then probably build out on this for quite some time. So get ready. Okay, let's look at the equation. We've looked at the equation before, now we're going to look at it from a new, fresh perspective. Just remind them, what did we do before? We used this add. We, we oh, did yes, it as we an equation. A, we did an equation like plus, 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 plus. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to do like a graphic design kind of graph thing. So... Yes, it's going to be great. Okay. <clears throat> so, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Okay, so let me just draw this up here, and then I'll explain what's up.
Can you guys see from there? Self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. <clears throat> then when we go back to verse 1, this is going to put some things in context. Okay, so uh, I'm going to read, To those who have obtained, like precious faith with us, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach, so please note, faith is obtained, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Yahushua our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Oh, wow. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, virtue who called us by virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay. So this is how it works. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now life, obviously we know that is eternal life, but this is also applied to the life that we live here. Everything that we need for the life on this side. And we know that he gives us faith. Virtue is a courageous innocence, not just in everyday things, but a courageous innocence in daring to enter into the promises of God. Daring to believe that who he says you are is who you are. Daring to believe that if he says he is going to save you and promises all of these things to you, that you are going to go, I accept it's true because he said it. So there's a courage that comes with doing that, and that's virtue. And then knowledge. Obviously, we can't know anything about him that he doesn't reveal. Okay, so faith, virtue, and knowledge, even though there is a responsibility on our side to implement and walk them out, this has to come from his side. So faith, virtue, and knowledge cannot be implemented if he does not give us the substance. Yeah. Okay. On this side, we have godliness. So godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And this is the ultimate goal. Once we come, the more we repent, the more we become the spirit man. On You can even look at the dividing line of earth and heaven. This is what is going to remain eternally. This is the outcome. So, here we have God gives, also known as an input. Here we have our outcome. And this, now this, this is the interesting part. Because you see, he gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But he doesn't give us these things. This part, this little part over here, this is our response. Okay? So this is self-control and perseverance is our response 
to what he gives us, as we respond in self-control and perseverance, and this is up to us, the more we implement this, the more we grow in this, the more we will start seeing the outcome that he has promised us. Because it says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay. But now obviously, these are all anchored together. Okay. So, self-control can only start developing once we've gone through this process and we've got to knowledge. Now, knowledge is not just, oh, I know so much. Specifically, this pertains to the knowledge of God. Okay. And now we also know that grace and peace is multiplied to us in the knowledge of God. So, grace and peace. But now, we also started looking at perseverance last week. We said perseverance can only really be true if we have something to behold. Perseverance can only be perseverance if there's vision, if we know what we're persevering towards. If we can see the road, we can walk the road. And this is still all coming from faith. But basically, this then becomes like two eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And what are we beholding? We are beholding His glory. We're beholding Messiah. And this is all the same. The body. Different sides of a threefold cord. And why? Why is it so important for self-control and perseverance that we keep our eyes fixed on this? Because, okay, for obvious reasons, we want to behold His glory, Messiah, and the body. But to... To increase, to be able to implement self-control and perseverance truly, the reason we keep our eyes fixed on this is because somewhere in this great cloud, there is a me. That has been redeemed. That has gone through the process and has come out the other side and has become perfected by his finished work. Okay, so... I keep my eyes fixed on this. His glory, Messiah, the body. I understand that I have a place in this great cloud. I have been perfected. All things pertaining to life and godliness have been given to me. And now, the more I behold this, the more I grow in my faith, virtue, knowledge, beholding all of this, the more grace and peace is multiplied to me, enabling me to implement self-control and perseverance. Continuously, like a conveyor belt. Continuously, continuously. And the more I do this, the more the outcome, I start bearing the fruit. I start seeing the promises become true in my life of godliness, brotherly kindness and love. Because we know that this ultimately, ultimately all pertains to the body. Whereas this pertains more to my individual growth. But I can't get there if I haven't gone through this. Okay. Now, do you want to do the, the thing? <laughs> so this is like the what do you call the things in a chain? Link. The links. Links. Yeah. So that's these are like links in a chain. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, do we want to do it on the little table maybe? Yeah, we'll do it yeah. This is like links in the chain, right? Okay. And this is what the chain reaction or the chain working of what he did in my life. This is me. This is self potentially. Okay, this is me. And that is me with Messiah likeness forming in me. Right. Now these things chain together. If my thinking, my actions, me, are only one link away from the knowledge of God, not knowing about God, not knowing the Bible, knowing what He knows. Remember, the knowledge of God is knowing what He knows. So what does the Son know? He knows the Father. Before anything else was created, what did the Son know? He knew the Father. If the Son knew the Father, was there anything He didn't know? Because He's knowing Yahweh, He's knowing God. Okay. He also, Yahshua also prays, He says, this is eternal life, knowing you. So we want to take a second and just allow ourselves to find entrance into the mind of Messiah, because our minds have to be to has to be renewed to His mind. Now, His all the renewing of your mind is according to what He knows, and He knows the Father. So He knows all righteousness, all goodness, all wisdom, all love. Does God the Father know exactly how the body of a human being works? All the medical fact, facts about the heart and the kidneys. Yes. So, what the Messiah knows is he knows the Father. And by knowing the Father, he knows all things, understands all things. That's why he becomes who he is. Okay, what does the Father know? He knows the Son. What does he know about the Son? He knows that the Son is faithful. The Son is obedient. He knows the Son loves him. Does the Son know that the Father loves him? We have an absolute, complete fullness, wholeness, just in the knowledge of God. So the knowledge of God links to your self-control directly. It's the step before self-control. Now, if the two links of a chain are close together, how far can they really, think about a chain, move from each other? Not too much. A little bit up, a little bit down, that's, that's it. But if there's ten links between you and the knowledge of God. There's ten undefined links. How far can it move? Quite a bit, right? So we demonstrated. Vision. We're going to demonstrate it now. <laughs> Keep in mind the thing that we did last week with the vine, saying that the point of the branch is not so that the branch can grow infinitely long. The point of the branch is to bear fruit. So you, if you have this short branch and it's bearing fruit, there's no problem with the branch. So, you take one end. Okay, so if this is you, this thing, okay, you. Let's say, so this table, the level of the table, is baseline. This is and you walking a road where you understand that process, you are walking, you living, all the time keeping your focus, your vision on Him. 
Messiah, all of us in Messiah, you in Messiah, uh, the Father and the Son is one, and He prays, let us be one as they are one. That is where you focus your attention all the time. You implement everything to do that. Now remember, so the baseline teaching we did, this is neutral. Okay, the table is neutral. Okay, so, if there's no, if you don't allow any links in between, and the things of life starts messing with you, all the pressures and the temptations, okay, then, yeah, there's a little bit of a shaking and a moving, but the links are short. On this side is the knowledge of God, on that side is godliness. You're not moving very far away. What is on both sides of self-control and perseverance? The knowledge of God and godliness. So you, both sides, you're basically connected to Him. Okay. But now, if you allow all kinds of other things, all kinds of other slack to develop between the knowledge of God in you and godliness in you, okay, and then the winds and the pressures and the storms of life comes. Alternatively, oh, I'm doing so well. Yes, godliness, and there's the knowledge of God. And now let it go. That's why the Bible says pride comes before a fall. Now we know how easily we can be start getting lifted up in our own thinking. We don't even, so what causes the, what is the first um, effect of putting you in a place where pride can start lifting you up? The gap that we allowed, the slack we allowed between godly knowledge, the knowledge of God and godliness. So slowly but surely we allow, why did we twist the rope? By falling. Yeah. Okay. Pride. It was all pride's fault. Okay, do we get this? Okay, now. You have... I'm going to just use a, an example. You have a pastor, faithful believer. Who wants to better themselves and have better qualifications to be accepted by the world at large. So they decide, let's enroll in university and go study psychology. There, she was the person was living there. Godliness and godly knowledge. Now, in order to study psychology, you have to allow other knowledge. The other knowledge is going to cause slack. The intention is to still stay close to God. You're doing it for the right reasons because you want to serve the body. Which is why there's slack. Because now... If you wanted to be far away, then there would be um, tension. But now you want to stay close to God, right? So the rope or the chain is getting longer, but there's slack because you want to stay here. If I didn't want to be here, there would be tension in my life. But I want to be close. So there's slack. So, all Satan has to do is cause enough of an impact to... And then the pastor 
that were, went and uh, is in the midst of a three-year or four-year process of studying psychology for the good of the body and the kingdom, finds themselves where? We call that depression. How did this happen? Simply didn't realize that we need to, to keep the two bonds of godliness and, and knowledge of God, not allowing any other knowledge but, but that, what, that which He knows in there. That's the safe place. Is this making any sense? It's fine. Which is exactly right, because now, come with me. Um, no slow. <laughs> what she's saying is very important. Because the world will always criticize us and accuse us of being narrow minded. It's biblical to be narrow minded. My mind only knows what God knows, what the Word says, what the Spirit is doing. It's all I, am, it's all I want to know. I don't want to broaden my viewpoint on anything. That's the scripture that pertains to the situation. Because I don't want to... Because the world that is so broad-minded and so willing, they're always suffering from depression and all the other stuff. Let's learn our lessons. So linking to exactly that same thought. Um, so this is the narrow road. It looks like it's going down, but it's going forward. That's why there's perspective. Yeah. Okay. Going forward. But what sometimes happens... So, okay. Let me put it this way. Obviously, for us to bear the fruit... To walk out the promises of God that He has promised us, we have to keep our eyes fixed, walk out self-control and perseverance. Okay. But what sometimes happens is that danger of moving our sights, moving our visions, just even slightly away from, from this, what we are called to behold continuously. And it doesn't have to be just sinful reactions or sinful things. It can be anything like any, let's call it projects. Projects. Okay, wait. Yeah, okay. Projects over here. It's going to be things like planning a holiday at the end of the year. Or... Um, what was the other example you used? Oh, uh, renovations to the house. Anything that's going to take up some of my time and attention, but not just take up time and attention, because the problem is I'm going to start beholding the goal. Because remember, perseverance is you persevere towards a goal. So now I set up projects in my life that, is, that doesn't form part, and this is the important bit, that doesn't necessarily form part of the kingdom plan, of God's perfect will. So it's one thing to plan a trip if it's sanctified and in the plan, because then you're still beholding the plan. But the problem comes in is when we're just starting doing a little something on the side, because like my life is moving on, and now we have to take some of our vision, some of our goal vision, some of our faith in actual fact, 
what we are beholding and move it just slightly to the side. Now, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is always whatever we put in place. Whatever we establish in the future that doesn't yet have form or substance, but we intend to come into the substance or the reality or the form of it. So whatever, this is why we have to be very careful in choosing and praying in wisdom about what we put in place, vision, vision, and what we're going to hope for in the future. Because we, that is going to become faith. It's going to become part of our faith process. Okay, explain. And if that's what we behold, and it becomes part of our faith process, then it means now, some of my self-control, but more importantly, some of my perseverance, is going to start moving in this direction. Because this is what I'm beholding. And now, I'm persevering in a direction out of the perfect will of God. And the problem is, what happens then, is once you find yourself just on a slight side road, so it's a very short, I mean that is very small, (coughs) very slight, just deviation. But now we continue, and the gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the problem is, because all of this has to do with sight and what we behold and what we see, the moment we get to this space, looking back, our perspective is now completely warped. Because our perspective shows that this is now the big thing that's happening in my life, and God's will has become a small, little, insignificant kind of detail to the road I'm walking. Makes sense? So you can't see it for what it's supposed to be. It looks tiny from over here. When in actual fact, this was supposed to be all there ever was. Give or take a few details. Okay. Have you ever met anybody that has uh, decided to... They used to live in a single-story house with three bedrooms, and they decided they're going to add another story on top. Ever met people? What did they talk about three weeks into this project? When you meet them, what do they talk about? Ever, ever know people that was busy renovating a house or building a house? Where is their attention? Does not apply to you. I mean, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever met anyone? Yes. Let's go through them all. It's just inevitable because you now have it is the faith aspect of us that is impacted by it. The substance and evidence of things not yet seen, hoped for. And we are not saying we shouldn't add a second story to the house. We are teaching ourselves learning what happens to us. What happens to us? How careful should we be when deciding on any future move, project, anything that's going to take form, listen carefully, anything that's going to take form in our future fits into the faith category. 
So when we decide on those things, we have to be extremely careful. Anybody here studying currently? Well, Busy. do you mean like a student of life? Or? <laughs> yeah, it's just officially somewhere being trained or studying. Right. The moment you decided to enroll, what was activated in your life? Something that was going to grab your vision, your time, your attention. Sometimes it has to be because it's part of the plan and part of your destiny. But what the effect that it has, what is the effect that it has? Draws your eyes, draws your vision, your inner vision towards a end goal, an end point. So everything, what we learn to do is to line everything in our lives up with the things of the kingdom. That's called the narrow road. Also the definition of righteousness. Also the definition of faith itself. And this is the perfect life. This is living out that's why we believe in predestination. Because it just makes common sense. That there's the, there's me as part of God in holiness and wisdom. I have to move in that direction. Anything that is part of my life here has to prayerfully and carefully be aligned with what He has prepared for me and what will keep me in line with His will for my life. Does it make sense? So is there any way whatsoever that the pastor that decides to go study psychology, any way, any way whatsoever, that that was wisdom and the will of God? It just cannot align. It cannot align. So it must be a mistake. What's the consequences going to be? No, when they finish studying, then they have to try and implement implement what they did. And you know how many Christians are studying psychology? Yeah. See how easily we can make mistakes. See, that's worldly wisdom. Knowledge of God, everything that a believer needs to know. So I'm not saying do not look at nutrition. Nutrition is God of, part of God's design. He gave us food to eat. Yeah, because some areas do form part of equipping. There's some areas where we equip. There's some areas where we do. But we, we, what I'm saying is we are careful and prayerful to only allow things into our lives that are aligned with the kingdom of God, the person of Messiah, which means everything, all of us in, redeemed in Him, His glory, which is His authority, His will, the Holy Spirit, and the body redeemed. Anything that does not form a straight line there, 
we have nothing to do with for no reason whatsoever. As well as anything that's not linked to the knowledge of God or godliness, because this is obviously exactly doing that. You see, because in only allowing our human, our our lives, our vision. Remember, it's perseverance by vision. Only allowing our vision always to be aligned with that means there's peace and grace that are multiplied in the knowledge of God into our lives and we stay in align with His promises. When we stimulate our knowledge for whatever reason and it's not in line with the knowledge of God, it's going to have what consequence in our lives? We are going to move outside of that narrow tunnel flow of grace. Grace always a, f- a tunnel bringing what the perfect finished work of God into our lives. So grace flows and the effect of grace is being included. So intimacy with Him, closeness with Him, and closeness with the body, the inclusion. And peace according to the covenant. So the covenant we are protected provided for all of that. Anything that we allow outside of that very narrow tunnel of grace, according to His finished work and the body, Messiah, His kingdom, His person, His glory, anything else is going to affect the grace and the peace that are being multiplied. Now, we could have a minus or even a division And we all know what that feels like. The evidence will be evident. <laughs> okay, I'm hoping this makes sense. At first our human minds want to go, yes, but we live in a real world and what, what, what. No. That's why it says faith, virtue. What is virtue? When does virtue come? So these are the things that he gives us. Firstly, faith is him starting to reveal resurrection to us. Now, He is resurrection. New Jerusalem is resurrection. So there's life beyond this life and we start to hope on that life in some form. That's faith. Then, virtue. What is virtue? His innocence that was won by the courage to walk to the cross. A person starts responding in faith and innocence starts to flow from his innocence. But his innocence came by courage. And obedience. That's virtue. So that starts to, he, that's also something he gives. And then by, anybody that's had a true baptism will know, you come out of a true baptism, and there's a substance of virtue in you. His virtue. Took courage to lay down your life, to come into the innocence of the washing of the blood, the washing by the word, the truth of the word, and the will of the Father, that pure relationship of innocence. There has to be innocence. There has to be in line with justice, righteousness, truth. So that's virtue. That's why it is a feminine form of courage. Because it represents the response of the bride. And the knowledge of God. Now if Peter puts this as the ultimate and the only process of discipling, moving towards godliness, coming in to all the promises, then do we even want to consider inserting anything in this process? We want to add anything to the eight. What does the number eight stand for? In biblical, who knows? Who can remember? Mm-hmm. 
Yes? Yes. So do we want to insert anything there? Perfection. It's the perfect number. It's the eighth day. Okay. So that's with the Holy Spirit. That is when all the aspects of His work is done. We don't want to insert anything else there. We don't want to take anything else away. Okay. So let's continue from there. Yes. Okay. So last, last mm. bit of the. Okay. So, looking again at this link between the knowledge of God and self-control. Last year, when we spent most of our time looking at self-control, we all understand by now that the place where it begins is in the mind. And that's why it follows our knowledge. Because as we grow in our knowledge of God, we become enabled to control self because it starts in the mind. Okay. Now, uh, we spoke to someone earlier this week or last week or somewhere and uh, the person spoke about strongholds and I know at the beginning of this ministry Monet did teach on strongholds but this was about three years ago and we haven't actually taught on it I've never we've never taught on it together so it's been a while since we've looked at it and he said something very interesting to this person he said the thing we need to remember about a stronghold now okay if I'm referring to strongholds it's usually strongholds of the mind okay so the thing about a stronghold is the enemy can only build a stronghold on a high place. But he can't build the high place. So if there's a high place, it's your high place. Okay. And this all happens in the mind. So this is the reality we're looking at. Those spaghetti brains, the thoughts, the cycles that we work through. The, more, the, the reason we put such an emphasis on this, and this is one of the reasons, one of the reasons, is because the more we think these same thoughts that don't line up with the knowledge of God, any thought we think, anything we know, anything that's happening in here that's not lining up with the knowledge of God, the more attention we give to it, the longer it stays there, this all becomes a high place. So eventually, anything that's not godly is anything in our minds. It's not lining up with the knowledge of God, what He knows. It's all high places. So we're having all these high places and they all manifest as self. So this issue, that issue, that issue, that issue, everything that's going on in the mind again, 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 again. And then we know the, when we did the baseline teaching, there's that we have the, let me draw it here, the baseline, this is neutral, this is the knowledge of God, and then we did the whole exercise now with the chain going up or down. We have spikes, right. Um, the problem is with the high places that we form in our own minds, apart from the fact that we've now created a space for the enemy to come and build a nice big tower or stronghold, is... Um, the thing is, the place where we meet with God, that He doesn't exalt that. That stays neutral. Remember that, that God tells us not to build altars on high, high places. He says He will make the high places low, and so He stays neutral. Okay, He stays neutral, which means what? Now, 
if I want to meet with God, get to God, where is He? Where is everything that has to do with God? Down there. Over here. Which means that, okay, I'm running through the hills, having a great time in all my high places and mountains. And now I want to get to God, but God now seems to me to be down here. But He's not down there, He just he stays neutral. There's no weird things that happen there. So He stays neutral. So now my experience in getting to God is now I have to abseil down a cliff, <laughs> go and find Him, because He's all the way down there, but all my stuff's happening up here. And this is what we call humility. <laughs> Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and He will lift you up. And this is why, so, new perspective in the thoughts, the place of our thoughts especially, during the week, because we all, I'm sure many of us still have that going on, we're still walking that out, still implementing it. Rather than thinking of, oh, I need to stop this thought again, or oh, rather do that, acknowledge it for what it is, it's a high place. The reason I'm thinking this thought again is because I've built a mountain. If I can just get down from the mountain, get to where God is, then eventually these high places can come back to where they were supposed to be. And if there's no high place, then there's no place to build a stronghold. So if we are willing to bring our high places low, low. Okay. I can help you. I'll do it myself, thank you. <laughs> so the place where we need to meet with God, remain with God, is the baseline of God, knowledge of God, faith, virtue, knowledge of God, godliness. How difficult is it now to quickly, effectively interact with God. Instead of trying to climb down from our high place, get lost on the way to another <laughs> high place, then you're like, oh, I was on my way to meet with God, and now I'm so tired I'm just going to sleep for a little bit, and then, oh, see, that's why it's so difficult for so many people to stop and get into the secret place, because you have to climb all the way down from your high place. Now, this is just a quick, and we're going to end now, because there's young people here. This is, my mom, I mean, if I did, in my day, I discovered Queen, the band, not the Queen, the band. <laughs> and I loved their music. I mean, I was discovering music, right? And every time that I wanted to listen to Queen, my mom said, at Satan music, turn it off. It was a little bit religious, but she was right. But anyway, so, the problem is what I didn't understand and what you guys could learn here today is that I hated the grown-ups that was always trying to um, identify everything as evil. They couldn't tell me what was right or holy or good, but they could identify the evil. Okay? Now, this is actually the truth. The world 
is rigged, everything around us is rigged to get us to build high places in our mind because we are going to allow the things of the world to build high places. And then Satan is going to use the high place to build a stronghold. What's a stronghold? It is like those stone castles. He's going to build a wall. Then he's going to put some stuff inside the wall. And no matter how it's attacked by God's word or truth or common sense, the wall won't let you or anybody else get to what's inside so he will put fear inside a ring wall, inside of you, on the place that is high in you. So what happened with me is my mom was right, and I could identify that the lyrics in the music was definitely not good for me. Okay, But because the, I'd already been taught to build a high place for the music stronghold to be on, my pride, even though I could acknowledge that the music, the lyrics wasn't good, it was already on a high place, my pride, my self-will. That's why even though I would at times look at it and go like, maybe it's not healthy for me, I couldn't even get through the wall that Satan had already built to put his knowledge inside, inside of me. So that's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is inside of you, Satan has built areas where he can live and rule and reign and not even you has the right inside of you to change it. That's a stronghold in a high place. So you can put fear in there, pride in there, rejection in there, wrongful desires. The way the high place is cultivated, the high place is built little by little. You will influence you with things that you have to elevate. Listen very carefully. A high place is built by Satan exerting influence so that you will elevate it above the knowledge of God. So we develop through the way that we are schooled, what we are taught at school, what the influence of the world around us. We are taught to start desiring fame and riches for myself. The idea of you being respected and loved for what you have achieved slowly becomes a high place. But on that high place of you wanting to be successful, he's not going to build a stronghold of money. He's going to build a stronghold of rejection and the fear of failure. The stronghold is going to build on top of it is fear of man he never built anything good on the mountain. He just gets you to build the mountain so that he has a place where he can establish something bad that will hurt us. You can't attack the, the castle on the mountain. You start repenting in humility towards God and you bring down the mountain. The way we bring down the mountain of I wanted to be rich and successful so I could have respect and acceptance in community, is by slowly but surely renewing my mind that everything I have and will have I've received from God's hands because He's good. He's my provider. I don't have to fear poverty and I don't have to fear 
failure. He will give me what I need and He will slowly but surely, He will, as I walk with Him faithfully, slowly but surely will build into my life. So it's not my mountain, it becomes His mountain. So the, what I have in my life becomes a place of true worship to Him. Mm. And Satan cannot build it. Uh, but the way you change that, it's not by trying to attack the stronghold, you'll never win. You bring down, in humility, slowly but surely, you bring down the mountain. Because the moment you've brought a high place down to the level of the knowledge of God, stronghold will fall very quickly. I must say, in my work, normally if it's quiet, one gets a bit stressed. You know, there's not a lot of bookings and there's lots of bookings. But it's different. Now. It's quiet, I just enjoy it. Because I have a very sure knowledge of He will provide. You know, so I enjoy doing nothing when you sleep. It just flows in all. One appointment. It just comes and it's a uh, yeah, it's a pretty nice way to live. Mm-hmm. So there's that baseline. Mm-hmm. Stable. Um, even when it, it's going very well, you don't allow the highs to set you up for a low. Exactly. And then he can actually start to slowly entrust you with more. That's the way that he prepares you. A long, there might be a long season where he has to force us to go through tough times because he's bringing down the high place. And then once we have in humility allowed him to bring us down to the level of the knowledge of God, now slowly but surely he can entrust you with more. He can build into your life. Mm. So I'm hoping this helps everybody. Okay, so please go meditate on this. It's simple but it's profound. It will help us to renew minds very quickly. That's amen then.